used to have a great big pulpit. Remember? Got a little music stand now. Right, we're continuing in our, our series uh, in, uh, entitled One Another uh, with the understanding that there are many one another phrases, uh, exhortations, encouragements in the New Testament which is telling us how we should behave in the family of God, the people of God, how we should behave. And today we're looking at forgive one another. Um, forgiveness is the big issue. It's not the magazine sold on the corner. Sold on the corner. Forgiveness is the big issue. Uh, it was a big issue with God. How could God uh, forgive us? Am I having trouble? All right. Is that okay? Yeah. How could? <laughs> How could God forgive sinful people without compromising uh, his holiness and his justice? We know that he did it by punishing his son instead of us and thereby not giving us what we deserved. He forgave us our sins and gave us eternal life. He did this because he loved us and that his love meant that mercy triumphed over justice mercy triumphed over justice and he says to us be merciful even as your father is merciful we who have received God's mercy have an obligation to be merciful to others that's quite clear uh, in the scriptures be merciful uh, even as your father is merciful Part of showing mercy is to forgive those who sin against us. And um, this is of the utmost importance in the family of God, the church. But I believe as God's people, it's required of us in all our human relationships. With, and uh, you know, even um, as Christians, I think we may well find that forgiving someone is the hardest thing that we ever have to do. Some of you may say that's part of my experience, the hardest thing um, that, that I've ever had to do. And therefore I believe it's the big issue for us, not just in our relationships with others, but in our relationship with God. Because the Bible makes it clear in many places that we, we cannot say that we're on good terms with God uh, if we're at odds uh, with others, uh, if we fail to love our brothers and sisters and forgive those who sin against us. I want to say right at the beginning, I'm very aware as I try to deal with this subject that uh, in my life I've had very little done to me for which I've had to uh, forgive people. Uh, to be honest, I have to say that. Um, and... Uh, you know, when I look around, there are people who are victims of barbaric 
crimes, absolutely barbaric crimes. You see them on your television. Uh, increasingly now with what's going on uh, in Africa and, and the Middle East and so on. Absolute barbaric crimes. And I think, how on earth do these people forgive? Even, even if they're Christians, how do they forgive their enemies? You know, m maybe you've been hurt in the past and the pain of that is still with you, perhaps. So I don't want to trivialise how desperately hard it can be to forgive in some circumstances, some situations. But I do want to affirm what God requires of us in the belief that he would not ask us to do something that was impossible and that with help, with his help, um, it, 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 he will help us if we are willing to be obedient. So first of all then, uh, forgiveness in the church this is the context, one another, people in the church, the family of God. I'm just going to read a, a couple of verses from Colossians. Don't turn to it, it's quite short. He says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful we're called God's chosen people a very special people and we are urged to live a lifestyle that is appropriate for God's people who have been called out of the world to display God's glory in the world. And of all the things that um, should characterise us that are listed here, forgiveness is the only one that's given a reason. The reason is forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And it's the only one with an imperative. It says must. You must forgive. The other characteristics are rather difficult to measure. How do you measure humility? How, how much humility? And how much patience? How much meekness? Rather hard to measure. But uh, with forgiveness, it's clear cut. You've either forgiven or you haven't. It's the big issue. It's the big issue. How we relate together in the church is also a vital a vital part of our spiritual warfare. Satan wants to bring us down. And if there are tensions in the church, unresolved personal issues, and particularly unforgiveness, we give him a foothold. Right? And he'll use these things to exploit us. Paul says this to the Corinthians, Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. And this is the point. So that we will not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. We know that the church is God's prime instrument for bringing salvation to the world, for displaying his glory in the world, for invading Satan's kingdom. 
And if we put tools or weapons into the hands of Satan, then we, we blunt our attack against his kingdom. And unforgiveness is a wonderful tool in his hand to use against us. I said um, two weeks ago that we're God's visual aid to the world, and Steve added last week that we're God's shop window. We are to be a demonstration of the gospel that we proclaim. I know I said it before, but I've really got to emphasize it. If we preach things that we're not trying to live out in our lives, it undermines the message that we're trying to give to the world. If they can't see that the truth within us and in our community of the things that we're preaching, uh, it makes it hollow. It makes it hollow. We should be a community of love, acceptance and forgiveness. That's how God has dealt with us. He loved us and in Christ he accepted us and through the death of Christ he has forgiven us and Satan doesn't like that. Satan doesn't like that and he'll use anything that is disruptive in the life of the church and particularly in terms of personal relationships. He'll use that to blunt uh, our attack on his kingdom. We're now going to move from specifically looking at forgiveness in the church to the wider picture of forgiveness, but uh, it will also include us uh, as Christians, but it refers to all human relationships. A bit later we're going to look at what is the nature of forgiveness. What do we mean uh, by forgiveness? One thing we will find is that although forgiveness must be extended to others, the crisis of forgiveness is between us and God. Whether we forgive or whether we don't, the crisis is between us and God. Turn to Matthew 6, 9 to 15. It's the Lord's Prayer. Very familiar. And although I think this has a general application, um, it, Jesus was teaching his disciples, uh, the, the first people in the church, if you like, how to pray. And it opens, doesn't it? Our Father. Right? It's our Father. In our community, it's our Father. So, Matthew 6, 9 to 15. Pray then, like this, Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then Jesus um, re-emphasizes one of those clauses. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So we've got two words here that really mean the same thing, debts and trespasses. They are just another way of saying sin, any um, wrongdoing that we may do uh, against another. And verse 12 deals with the issue of forgiveness. And forgive us our debts, or forgive us our sins, as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is not saying to God, um, I've forgiven other people, therefore you must forgive me. Right? It's not a deal with God in that sense. But rather it's saying, in this father-son relationship, 
that has been bought with a price, the death of Christ, this wonderful relationship, it is unthinkable that I should come to you and ask for forgiveness if I am withholding forgiveness from others. I, um, I don't know about you, but I le- first learnt the Lord's Prayer at school. Who learnt the Lord's Prayer at school? I don't know whether it's used in schools much these days, but I'm pretty sure we said it every day, I think, in school. Okay. I must have prayed it thousands of times, thousands of times. And I'm sure that for, that for most of those occasions, I was not conscious of the implications of what I was praying. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I, I'm thought, I'm sure I wasn't um, uh, understanding of the, uh, the uh, implications of that. On um, verse 14, which was Jesus emphasizing forgiveness, I'll read it again. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. This can seem a little confusing at first, particularly for those of us who believe once saved, always saved. Is, is my, uh, my salvation a bit insecure? Is it, is it dependent on me forgiving others? It suggests that, doesn't it? That if as Christians we do not forgive others, we may lose our salvation. You know, I've heard Christians who are going to take um, a plane journey, a flight, when they're sitting in the, in the seat there, um, they desperately go through their memory to make sure that they've confessed all their sins and particularly that they've forgiven anybody that they need to forgive just in case uh, the plane crashes and they die and then in the end they find that they're not saved. Right? But it's not like that. It's really not like that. This is a wrong understanding of salvation because God relates to us in two ways. He relates to us as a judge. He is the one that judges our sin and we will be the judge at the end of the age. But he's also our father. He's the father. The judgment of our sins, not just past, not just present, but future, was laid on Jesus. And we can never be condemned now before God. God will never hold those sins against us. God the righteous judge because the debt, the debt for our sins has been paid in full by Jesus on the cross. We have to understand that is finished. The judgment against our sin uh, is finished. But what is at stake here is our relationship with God our Father. If there are people that we haven't forgiven then our relationship with our Father will be strained in some way. And we'll feel uncomfortable until we do forgive others. God will not let us off the hook, as it were. Our destiny is secure, but our daily fellowship with God uh, is at stake. And this is rather like a natural family. I find myself using the illustration of a family very often. But there is a family with parents, father and mother, and, and children, and I think we know, don't we, if children fall out and perhaps fail to forgive one another, then the parents are grieved over that. You know, and the children sense that. 
They sense that although mum and dad still love me, and they're never going to kick me out, um, there's some distance between us now, and it's all because I won't forgive my sister, my brother, or whatever. And I think that's just the way it is with God. We don't lose our salvation, but the relationship with God is strained if we do not forgive. Jesus told a parable to illustrate why we should forgive and what are, were the consequences if we didn't. So you like to turn to Matthew 18. Verse 21. I think we understand in this parable that the king is God and we are the servants. I think that's fairly straightforward. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Then he tells the parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. For this servant in the parable, I am told that 10,000 talents is more than a lifetime's wages. Uh, he was totally unable to pay such a sum. There was, payment was not an option. Repayment was not an option. If the issue was to be resolved, another way had to be found. And for our situation, that we must really come to an understanding that our debt with God, our sin debt with God, the fact that we'd fallen short of his glory was far greater than we could ever repay or do anything about. We can't, we can't earn his forgiveness. Uh, we don't deserve it. Um, God's, the Bible says that we're objects of God's wrath because of our sin. Mostly we don't appreciate the depth of our sin. We overlook it. We make light of it. But it's very serious, and this is what this parable is about. It's huge. We can't do anything about it. The king was being just in demanding repayment of the debt, and the servant deserved punishment. That was justice. That was absolute justice. So we read on. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him his debt. If God gave us what we deserved, we would go to hell. It's an awful word, it's an awful concept, cast into outer darkness uh, if God gave us what we deserved. But God is merciful and he found a way to forgive us and accept us because the punishment we deserved fell on Jesus. We know that mercy is not giving people what they deserve. And right at the beginning I said, God requires something of us. We have an obligation that we are to be merciful to others as he has been merciful to, others, to, to us. In other words, 
we are not to give people what they deserve. We may think people deserve something but, but be, because of what they've done to us, but we don't give them uh, what they deserve. So we're to relate to others in the way that God relates to us. Let's read on. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, I think that's about a day's wages, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went to reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and you should have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Um, of course, you know, we are, uh, it's a parable. But we have to say, what, what is this that our heavenly Father will do to us if we do not um, forgive from the heart. I think Jesus is warning us that if we do not forgive from the heart, we will experience some mental or spiritual torment in our relationship with God. Uh, as we've seen, we give the devil a foothold. Bit bitterness and anger remain with us and we relive the pain of what was done against us. We keep on reliving the same pain because the bitterness is building within us. Well, let's ask a question. Why are we sometimes reluctant to forgive? We, as I said, it's hard, but sometimes we're reluctant to even consider it. Usually it's because we think the person doesn't deserve it. Would that be right? We think that what they've done does not deserve my forgiveness. To forgive would offend our sense of justice. We think by withholding forgiveness, in some way, we will punish them. Um, in, in a, maybe a way of taking revenge. We feel that they should not get away with it uh, and we won't let them off the hook. To do so would be unfair. That's how we see our justice. The problem is that the person that we're trying to punish may be completely indifferent to our unforgiveness and having a wonderful time while we grow more and more bitter and resentful. We are worried that if we forgive someone, we let them off the hook. But in actual fact, we are the one who is on the hook because we are the one that has the bitterness and the resentment and the anger. And they may be, as I say, having a wonderful time. As well as still feeling the pain, we are being disobedient to God by not being merciful and not letting him take care of justice. God is a God of justice. And the Bible tells us that in, at the end of the age, all the wrongs will be righted. God will be a, a righteous judge. And he says to us, vengeance is mine. I will repay. We do not have to repay other people. We must leave justice to God. 
So they are some of the reasons why um, we are reluctant to forgive. We think it's unfair. Uh, we think it's unjust. So what is forgiveness? Two things it's not. It's not primarily about feelings. It's not about getting to a place where we feel good about the person, although that may come. That may well come. And it's not forgetting. Hey, but you say, um, the Bible tells us that God forgets. He forgets our sin. However, in actual fact, God is all-knowing. There is nothing that God forgets. Uh, and what God says is, I will remember your sin no more. What he's saying is, I will put it away as far as the east is from the west, which means I will not take the past and use it against you. I will not take the past and use it against you. And I think we know, don't we, that in actual fact, we don't, we don't, get, we don't get rid of hurt by trying to forget it. We just push it down and it pops up again at some other time. So if it's not feeling, if it's not forgetting, what is it? Uh, it is in effect saying, I will not hold this sin against you ever again. It's an act of the will which says, no matter what you've done to me, in the future, I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm not going to raise it as an issue anymore. There's no issue between us. I'm not... In a, in, a, in a while when if you do something else to me you're going to say ah but you did that other thing right so it's just like you to do that because you did it last year or whatever God doesn't do that and we're not to do that because forgiveness is an act of the will that says I will not hold this sin against you uh, ever again it's not like a suspended sentence you know a suspended sentence I seem to hear about them these days but uh, somebody's convicted of a crime and rather than send them to prison the judge says you will have a suspended sentence uh, and what that means is they can go free but if they commit another crime that sentence is added to the sentence of the new crime in other words it's not dealt with actually it's hanging over them it's hanging well forgiveness should not be like this uh, we keep no record of wrongs that's how the NIV um, translates um, 1 Corinthians 13. Love keeps no record of wrongs. We do not keep a record of wrongs with people. We say it's dealt with. I have forgiven them. I have forgiven, forgiven them. I, I said that forgiveness is not about feelings, but feelings do matter. Right? I'm not saying feelings are not important, uh, but they do matter. And I've found that if your feelings, even though you, have, you feel you've properly forgiven somebody, you're not going to hold that against them. Nevertheless, their presence still is a problem to you. Okay? Um, somehow or other, it, it just reminds you. Okay? And I've found the best way is to pray for them. Pray that God will bless them. God, that God will show his kindness to them. And... I believe that your feelings towards them will change. And I've, I've, I've done that. And it works. So you, you just pray for people, the people that, that have hurt you, and it works. Let's have an illustration, a graphic illustration of how this happened a little while ago. You may remember this incident. In November 1987, people in the town of Enniskillen, County Fermanagh, 
Northern Ireland gathered around the cenotaph for a Remembrance Day service. A bomb went off nearby, killing 11 people and injuring 63. Unbelievably brutal and senseless. Gordon Wilson, himself injured by the blast, lost his daughter, Marie. Afterwards, he said, I have lost my daughter and we shall miss her. But I bear no ill will. I bear no grudge, he told the BBC. Dirty sort of talk is not going to bring her back to life. He said he forgave her killers and added, I shall pray for those people tonight and every night. His words were seen as a fitting, fitting memorial to his daughter and to the other ten people who lost their lives because they encouraged a spirit of reconciliation uh, in the area. A further point on feelings. If our relationship with God has been strained because we've been withholding for, uh, forgiveness from someone, if we come to that point and forgive them, I believe that we can expect joy in God's presence. If there is joy in forgiveness, and it can be like a weight that is lifted off you. You may say, um, you don't know what's been done to me. Uh, I just cannot forgive them. And of course, I don't know, probably. And I don't want to trivialise the pain that you have experienced but I believe from the scriptures that we've looked at, for instance, if you are saying, I know I should forgive, but I'm finding it very hard, and I'm not there yet, um, but I want to be obedient, and I'm asking God to help me, then I believe that's fine. I believe if your intention is to be obedient, even though you just can't bring yourself to it at that moment, then I believe God will give us time and God will honour us and help us. But if out of your sense of justice uh, you are determined not to forgive with or without God's help, then I have to say you are damaging your relationship with God as Father. The scripture is quite, quite clear about it. And you may, be, uh, you may be in danger of your prayers not being heard. I'm not saying definitely. But what does that relationship mean? If we are deliberately refusing to forgive, then we're damaging our relationship with God our Father. And I think that is serious. So in conclusion then, if we're going to forgive as God in Christ has forgiven us, which was to take the consequence of our sin upon himself, in a sense we have to do the same. We have to live with the consequences of those who sin against us. Right? In actual fact, we've got no choice. We think it's unfair, but we've got no choice. Whether we forgive them or whether we don't, we have to live with, with the consequences uh, of those who, who've sinned against us. And um, the only real choice we have is to either do that in the bondage of bitterness or in the freedom of forgiveness. You see, that's the choice that we have. We have to live with their sin against us in some way. We either do it in the bondage of bitterness or in the freedom of forgiveness. Forgiving one another is firstly an issue between us and God. That's what we said right at the beginning. 
God makes that very clear. It's an issue between us and God because we cannot divorce our relationship with one another from our relationship with God. That's made clear in many places in the scripture. God commands us to forgive because, firstly, we're a visual aid to the world, as we've said. And God wants to demonstrate in the church what his forgiveness is like, what his mercy is like, what his grace is like. But he also commands us because he loves us and knows that the bitterness that unforgiveness brings will defile us and others. And we will miss the grace of God. We will miss the grace of God. If we do not forgive, we will miss the grace of God. So forgiveness is to set the captive free and then to find that we were the captive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that the enormity of our sin did not prevent you finding a way to forgive us. Lord, you forgave us all our sins through the death of Christ. Father, thank you that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are free. And Lord, we pray that by your help and by your grace, we may be equally merciful to others. Lord, that we might demonstrate your mercy. Lord, will you help us? We find this hard, one of the hardest things that we have to do. But we believe, Lord, that you command it of us and that you will help us, Lord, to be obedient to you. So we commit ourselves to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.